The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you all back, but I'm even more excited for our special guest today. He is an Amazon number one best-selling author and founder of W2 Capitalist, Jay Helms. Jay, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Cody, I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. Really, now, really listen. Looking forward to this. Yeah, well, listen, like many times I've said before, but this is probably been one of my favorite like off camera moments. Like Jay and I have been just like chatting and living it up, <laughs> dying laughing. I was like, Jay, we all right, we, we got to hit record <laughs> and, and get semi serious. I don't know how serious we'll be, but we'll see. We'll see how it's going. But we've been having a good time. It's been an honor actually to get to know you a little bit better. Like I mentioned, I, I love listening to you on some some of the other shows out there and super excited to have you on today and, and hear a little bit more about your journey. But yeah. before we dive in, into all that, just in case people are hearing your voice, seeing your name for the first time, would love to start out with a good origin story, where you're from, how you got in real estate and what you find yourself doing these days. Yeah. So we, we, we call Gulf Breeze, Florida home, which is near Pensacola, in between Pensacola and Pensacola beach. What we're doing these days is we're actually traveling. You and I got talked a little bit about that, but we're, we've been nomads for the last 13 months. When I say we, that's me and my wife and our three children, seven and under. And so it has been a challenge and adjustment, but we're now, you know, I got asked a question last night, like, how do you do that? And, and you and I are talking about recording podcasts right now. My setup, you know, my laptop is on top of some kind of book of crates that we take with us, you know? So we're, we're, we're adjusting to that. And, and the good thing is it's, it's all a tax write-off because mm -hmm. we're exploring other markets as far as our CPA and the IRS is concerned. And we are, we're, we're looking for our next, you know, short-term rental opportunity. And really just we get to dive into the culture of the places because like right now we're in Myrtle Beach and we're going to be in this area for about a month total. Okay. Right? So we kind of get to hang out a little bit. But the way we got started is, you know, I I was I was a principal at a startup company, an IT company. You know, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a propeller head. And, you know, we... I started, when I started, I was employee number five, number six, like that, or something along, along those lines. And I helped grow that company to 30 employees, a little over $6 million a year in revenue. And we got acquired. And in the IT space, it's a pretty common thing to build up a company and get acquired and acquired. And so the first acquisition was absolutely brain numbing, horrible experience that pushed us to figure out, okay, we're, we're living, I'm making six figures. We're still living paycheck to paycheck. We don't live in a, in a too big of a house. We got kids on the way, you know, was, there was kind of a trifecta that happened there. So we got married in September in January, we found out we were pregnant with our first one. And then in April, the acquisition happened that just met. And so that trifecta of things just really kind of slapped me in the face. I mean, there's all kind of emotions coming up like, all right, now I'm, I'm now a husband, right? I got to figure out how to take care of somebody else. Although she probably takes care of me better not take care of her, but you know, and, and then, you know, the new baby coming along, like, oh man, I'm responsible for this living breed, like really responsible. And now the W2 was just a, becoming a train wreck, you know, mm -hmm. and I had this fear of always getting that phone call one day that, Hey man, we got to let you go because you know, this, this thing is not going like we thought it would. And so <clears throat> those three things really led me to 
discover, you know, what most real estate investors call their Bible is the rich dad, poor dad book. From there, you know, I, I, I kind of dove into wholesaling quickly and learned out that is not my personality type. That's not my forte. And uh, so we bought our first single family home. It was a cash purchase from, we used a home equity line of credit to, to buy it. So $25,000 purchase. We put $9,000 into it to, to renovate it, give a livable, and it rented right away for 600 bucks a month. So from there, we were, we were hooked. Like, how do we do this again and again and again? So over the next six years, we kept buying and kind of upscaling, playing the real live game Monopoly. You know, we'd buy a house, we'd sell that house, we'd buy a duplex, wait, you know, wait a little bit, then we'd sell the duplex and then we'd buy a multifamily and then partner with some folks on multifamilies. And we've done almost, almost everything except for wholesaling and flipping. We haven't actually done those two things, but almost everything else we have. And, and it's, it has been quite the journey we've, and you know, you and I were chatting about, man, there's so many unsuccessful stories. Which one do we pick with? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that, uh, it. But you know, that's kind of led us to 2020 where I did get that phone call and I got laid off for COVID reasons and moped around the house for a couple of days. Of course, you know, five minutes after my boss calls me, wife says, Hey, we can now travel like we've been wanting to. And I'm like, wait a minute, let's, let's let the, let's, let's let the iron just kind of cool off for a minute. And let's, let's figure out. I mean, yeah, honey, I just got weird. fired, you know, hold on. <laughs> like, let me process this. I mean, I know we're okay, but that's like six figures. It just went away. We gotta, we gotta make some adjustments. Let's figure this out. So we spent the next year or so trying to figure out kind of what we were going to do. And then, and then after that, we started traveling and here we are, we've been, we've been on the road for almost 14 months, got to see a lot of the East coast. We were planning to, I wanted to go out West or kind of further up Northeast this summer, but man, the price of diesel just kind of kept us, kept us here in the Southeast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it for you real, real quick on that, that diesel. Well, it, and I love this story because and we love a good origin story because everyone comes from such a different dynamic background. Some people were born and raised in real estate. Others came to it at a different phase in life. I, like you, worked at a tech company, and I've mentioned this on the show before. I was very fortunate that when I got let go from my company that was a very well-to-do company, that they kept me on board in just a different position. I had nothing to do with what I was doing before, and I didn't want to be there. And, but it was like, a, hey, we're doing away with your job but here's this consulate, you, you know, clean toilets. Yeah. You, you know, want, it, you want to clean toilets. <laughs> it was, it was a little bit better than that, but it was still like, it was, it was hours were horrible. What I was doing was not what I wanted to do. And, and it wasn't my skill set. Uh, but it was, it was, that was the kind of the spark that ignited a lot of things for me. And it sounds like you too. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter how profitable the company is. It doesn't matter what's going on. You're, you're really just some little digit on a spreadsheet somewhere that, Hey, if we need to, round things off, you know, we can just let go of sell, you know, a 13. So, uh, you know, and so you get introduced and you start thinking about, okay, how do I supplement? What, are, how do I do the side hustle stuff and what can I do and that sort of thing? So I absolutely love it. You mentioned, you know, how do you pick your own success story? And I love bringing on folks like yourself who are really successful because honestly, you likely have some of the best or, or guess a lot of the unsuccessful stuff because this stuff doesn't go to plan every time. It hardly ever does, right? Of course it, it does. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that OM is just like buttoned up, nothing ever off on that one. Uh, so so when, 
thinking of that, you know, what comes to mind for to educate myself and the audience on on, on one of the things that happened along your journey that ultimately kind of taught you a lesson to help set you up for success today? Yeah, you know, and you and I were talking before we hit the record button and you were telling me all the guests that you'd had on, attorneys, property managers, you were mentioning your partner earlier. We won't go into what you were saying there, but no, I'm just joking. But, you know, properties, CPAs, and I was kind of thinking through that list and I'm like, you know what? I've, I've kind of had a failure on every one of those. I've had a failure. I've actually reported an attorney to the Florida Bar because of how he handled a situation. I've had some really crappy partners. I'm actually... If you have me on again, I, I don't I don't know that I can go into the details of this. By the way, I, I've never so we've been investing since actively investing since 2014. The only time I've ever used an attorney until this year was for title work, right? And for closings. This year, I this this we are potentially gonna enter our fourth lawsuit because of something that's come up. Right. And so that one's kind of fresh as dealing with a property manager. I probably don't need to go into those details, but it gets, it's getting kind of ugly properties, CPAs, you know, all those kind of bundle into one. It really comes down to one thing, doing proper due diligence. Right. And, and I, and not only that, but just the follow-up, the follow-up, the follow-up, you know, and making sure, you know, that you, it, it comes back to me, like all those problems I can mention out, you know, I've whined about them, I've cried about them, but it's more, but I like the idea of, you know, what Jocko Willing says, it's extreme ownership. It comes back to, did I do my proper due diligence? Well, no, I, I didn't. Right. So it, it falls on me. You know, the attorney situation, basically we sold a piece of property. It was a, it was a, a duplex and a raw piece of land that I had divided. Right. And when we sold the property, the duplex, it was clearly in the purchase sales agreement. It was in the listing and everything. But when we got to closing, right, the, the, the title company and the attorney wrote it up as we were selling the whole thing. Mm. And, and so I didn't review the documents like I should have on signing day, you know, and, and so here, here we are, I'm going to get about a $5,000 settlement on a $40,000 piece of property or I could spend $30,000 for the opportunity to get the piece of property back. No, no, like real. And, and so to me, the juice is just not worth the squeeze there. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, and, and listen, being married to an attorney and a real estate attorney at that, she would advocate and, and I'll, I'll second it that I don't always fully understand the legalese that are in contracts and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's written in such a way that for, for us laymans and I'll, I'm calling myself out here, that it's it can be difficult the way it's written and, and the verbiage used. However, I, I will say, and, and I'm lucky that I'm married to one, but even if you're not reaching out and saying, hey, I read through this, I'm not really understanding section 4E yeah. here. What well, yeah. can you can you help me understand that? Or, you know, I I, I thought I we wanted this particular type of thing or language in the contract. I don't know if it's in there because I didn't see it. We actually recently had an example where we were looking at an industrial piece of property. And I I, I read the lease agreement because we were looking to buy it. And I, and, I, and I kept looking and I looked back at the the rent roll and the operating memorandum. And it was, there was a fee in, or a part of the lease in there that was just structured and they were getting, they were the the tenant was paying the the owner, but I couldn't find anything in the lease agreement for that amount. And I scoured 
the the whole lease. And I finally, I, I had my wife read it and she, because she's our real estate attorney. And I said, Hey, I'm, I, this should be in there. I think maybe I'm just not smart enough to see it. Can you <laughs> validate for me if it's either in there or not? And it turns out it wasn't. And when I asked, when I asked the broker, they said, Oh yeah, that's a gentleman's agreement between the tenant and the owner. that They'll continue <laughs> to pay that. And I said, well, that's nice for them. Yeah. I was not part of either side of that handshake. So that agreement is not with me. So I would need that in writing before Forward accounting course. that revenue. <laughs> so, it, you know, and it's stuff like that that can, that can get you caught. So I think to your point, it, it's going back and it, it, for me, it all goes down to communication and, you know, informing and listening are two of the the basic things that you have to do really well in this industry, yeah. at least in my opinion, to get ahead and to do things well and hopefully not get caught up in some stuff, but Hey, it, it happens inevitably, right? It happens. Yeah. And, and there are attorneys out there that give you bad advice when you mm -hmm. try to come back and do that. And, and I, that was a painful lesson learned this year as well, you know, and, and where our particular situation, it came down to the legal description and you know how easy those are to read. Right. But I, I should have, you know, and I doing this going forward, we have a purchase sales agreement that has the legal description on there. I'm going to make sure that the legal description on the purchase sales agreement matches exactly with what's on the deed, right? And what's on the closing paperwork. Because otherwise you're going to be caught like I am right now and just know nowhere to nowhere to go. So, Right. And I think it it's important to think you, you, no matter how successful you are or how, how well you're doing things and, and how many deals you've done in your past, I think it's also important. You don't, don't put it on autopilot, cruise control, whatever yeah. you want to call it, because inevitably something like this could pop up and hopefully it doesn't for anyone listening, but it can. And we've heard a ton of stories over the time where it's like, man, I was doing really well. I've had two, three, four, ten 10 deals in, and then all of a sudden, boom, it was something that hit out of nowhere that normally I'd be mm -hmm. prepared for, but I just, I wasn't paying as close of attention as I normally had. Well, and that's, you know, the valuable lesson learned here is the follow-up, right? So I, I've, I've closed with that particular attorney, I've closed probably 15 deals with them, right? Mm -hmm. Very comfortable, knew the signing process. Like we, it was and so I got a little lackadaisical going in thinking, all right, they, they've got me covered. They've never steered me wrong. Always helped me out. And then when it came to this, it, it, it really got ugly where they wouldn't accept that they made a mistake. Right. And, and, and it, we even went to as far as there was, we had, a, we did a call for discovery, right. And the, in the discovery, there is an email between the attorney who closed the property and the lender for the, the buyer who the, the lender specifically says it is clear in the purchase sales agreement and in the uh, title work that this partial should have stayed with Mr. Helms. And they sat on that and they did nothing with it. Right. So that, and, and then, you know, the most recent thing with, with the property management company, I, I had a working relationship with these, these folks for three years, never had an issue, never had a problem. And then we brought them this new property and, you know, we'll see what comes of it, but we're, we've got some severe damages that, that we're going after just from negligence. <laughs> But, you know, it, it comes back down to, am I doing the follow-up? Am I doing, you know, you can't basically put it on autopilot as much as you want to. Even if you're a passive investor into a deal, and I'm guilty of this, I've been a passive investor and I just sit back and wait for that monthly email to come across that says, hey, we deposited this much money in your account. Never ask questions. I, I do that today. 
until all this started happening here in the last couple of months. And now I'm kind of focused back on, all right, Hey, what's, what's going on with this? Let me, let me ask a few more questions. Let's just, I'm not a big investor in this deal, but I want to know, you know, I just want to, yep. want to check on things and it typically makes all the difference, right? Just having conversations. I think for those that are listening, whether you're active, but especially if you're passive, whether you're, you know, you do it for a living and you're active, but passive on the side, or if you're just purely doing this for passive income, I think one of the most important things is always gut checking every deal that comes across your desk from every operator you're investing with. It doesn't matter if you've been investing with them for 10 years or six months, in my opinion. And I, I want this for our investors too, right? They need to evaluate each deal by itself. You know, I, I we love if you come back and reinvest, and I'm sure other operators do too. But I would I would caution any investor that works with us to say, listen, always evaluate each deal. It's not the right one for every person, and that's perfectly fine. We understand that. You need to evaluate each deal, and we hope that we're a good enough operator for our investors to keep coming back. However, I do want them to validate that that's a good enough deal, and the returns and the structure and all that are what they are looking for in their investment strategy. And if it's not perfectly fine, there are plenty of other ones that are out there that can help. Yeah. But it, it really comes down to you gotta you gotta double check everything. You can't just assume everything's great and just hey, this operator just keeps printing money. Let's just 1031 these these returns over to the the next deal and yeah. never look at it. It's like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you know, I think when you ask you start asking those questions and really just continue that communication, you're going to save yourself. You're going to save mm -hmm. yourself from, from some very painful, monetary painful issues. Yeah. And, and to give you another example, just on due diligence, very early on in our investing career, we had closed maybe two deals and the realtor I was working with, he, he brought us a, an opportunity. It was two different mobile homes on a single parcel of land. Right. And I, I got a giggly eyed over the purchase price, you know, it was like 25,000 bucks. For for two properties, they were generating about a thousand dollars in uh, cash flow per month, right? And, and not just not just gross, but like cash flow, like they were doing really really well. And I was like, you know what? This looks really good on paper. Yeah, let's just do it. And, and it got put pressured into a situation where no, you can't do this. You can't go inspect. You know, they don't want to upset the tenants. Blah blah blah. And I bought a dump, and, and it was you know it. it Ultimately, we held on that property, those two mobile homes for a couple of years. We walked away, all said and done, purchase, renovations, repairs, minus the income. We were in the hole about $10,000, right? And it came back to, and I knew this, and you said something earlier about trusting your gut. I, I knew this, it, you know, I, I just, I was not disciplined enough to listen to my gut and say, no, you're, you know, you need to go, you have, you've closed two properties so far, they're doing very good. You have a, a process that's looking like it's going to be a really good system. Just stick to it. And I learned the opposite, right? I learned that, mm. no, it's a, it's a good process, but it only works when you stick to it. And, and we had a lot of a lot of stuff that comes up. So, yeah, back to due diligence and, and, and uh, what you said, trust your gut. Trust your gut. Man, I love it. Jay, I would love to pick your brain a ton more, but I think that's probably a good enough spot as ever to wrap up. Honestly, I can't thank you enough for jumping on board. Folks, if, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, Jay has a wealth of knowledge. 
really great examples today. Back this one up, go listen or watch it again and, and pay attention to what Jay's saying because he's got a ton of experience. Learn from what he's gone through and hopefully avoid those mistakes yourself. So uh, Jay, again, thank you. Where For those that maybe want to work with you, learn from you, invest with you in the future, where's the best place people could find you at out there? So I tell you what, I've been doing this a little bit and just I'm waiting for somebody to give me a call or send me a text. So I, I'm giving out my cell phone number. Okay. So it's 205-249-0248. And if you don't want to do that, if you want to check out what we got going on, it's W2Capitalist. It's W2Capitalist.com. Perfect, man. I, I sure do appreciate it. Listen, folks, the man gave you a cell phone number. Someone <laughs> text or call him, please. Let it let it be from this show first. Yeah, let me, let me know. Say, look, and by the way, I, if you call me, I don't have you programmed in my phone. I'm not answering. I, I screen my calls. <laughs> my time is more valuable to answer numbers I don't know. But leave me a message or in your text, say, hey, I heard you on Cody's podcast. And then I, ex I know exactly who you are, right, or where you're coming from. There you go. Well, Jay, honestly, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure having you on. Same here. Thanks for having me. Let's do this again. I, I want to get down to the bottom of this property management thing and and, and uh, get past all the legalese that I think we're going to enter into and come back and tell that story. Yes, please. Let, yeah, let Listen, let's stay in touch. Let's do this again. Run it back one more time after okay. you get that, after that one's all wrapped up and said and done, and then we'll, we'll chat about it a little bit more. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks, everyone. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.